1982. It was a big year. Um, not too many famous players have worn the number 82, that's for sure, especially not uh, in our game, AFL. But uh, I think Cuz might have been the last one to wear 82. Um, on, on a list somewhere, no doubt. Uh, I caught up with the great David Swartz today uh, at a function, and it was a great time chatting about the good old days of Melbourne. Um, and I'm and I'm sure uh, Cuz will reminisce on the great days, uh, pulling the boots on, having a crack at uh, trying to play VFL, AFL footy. It was VFL back in the day, Cuz, wasn't it? Uh, it was so long ago. But uh, let's bring up the great man for a chat. Welcome back, Cuz. How are you, mate? G'day. Hey, mate. How are you? Um, been a big week in sport, big week in football. Are you okay, mate? Absolutely. Uh, thanks for asking, mate. Very timely on Are You OK Day that uh, kicks off tomorrow. But yes, I am actually OK. Uh, as I mentioned to you, mate, I was very concerned about the Swans and I proved to be sadly correct. Uh, the Swannies were awesome, no doubt. And thanks for that little reminder. Uh, perfectly kicked off the show with the microphone on mute. So that was always a good start to the show. So um, just to... Uh, Bring back what I said before. Um, it was basically saying that uh, episode 82 of So What's Been Happening, we're ticking along, 1982. It was a big year, mate. What do you remember from 82? Anything anything stand out for you? Well, thank you for the couple of honourable mentions you gave me early. And as the lovely Jan Cusack likes to say, the show's not about me. So just a couple of short things. 82, well, as a young nearly teenage boy of 12, how good was the grand final? Richmond and Carlton, when we had a an interesting onlooker, jumped onto the arena and just did what she did. Uh, Blues and the Tigers, great game of football, 82, ET, Jacko, that sort of stuff. Um, it's amazing to think that 1982 was 40 years ago. That's probably the, the most daunting thing about it. But it only seems like yesterday when you look at the pictures and the images you put up before. Pretty scary, isn't it? But uh, I thought what we'd do is you missed the kind of intro into the show and there's a little snippet of uh, what happened in 82. But we'll never, ever forget these moments, will we? No. <laughs>
still going to be one of the great moments uh, in music. And so I think it definitely set the scene for what was to come, um, bringing up uh, film clips and, and the effort that MJ went to who uh, put together film clips that basically were movies in the end. Incredible. It's, it's amazing to look at it now, considering what we can do with technology, CGI, that sort of stuff. We've had some amazing musicians on the podcast in the previous 81 episodes. How ahead of his time was that gentleman and the people that worked around him 40 years ago? Absolutely. And who will ever forget uh, Survivor's Eye of the Tiger on Rocky, <laughs> Rocky Three for 1982. All right, what we're going to do is um, just before we bring up our, one of our special guests that we haven't had on for a long time, um, but I'll welcome him back shortly. Uh, we're going to bring up the great lovey for a quick chat who's chimed in beautifully right on time, as always. How are you, great man? Welcome back. Good, mate. How are you? Very good, mate. Very good. Love yes, it. vote one. Vote one, lovey, tonight. It's, it's, just, it's become a farce. It's become yes. a farce. Might as well just get one bloke in and do the whole fucking thing. I, I think, mate, you can do it all. That's not enough. You can do more than that. I reckon you can be list manager. Um, what else are we after? There must be something else. Bootstutter? You can cut my oranges for me, cuz. That'd be good. Happy to do it, mate. Wouldn't be yep. the first time I've been an able assistant to you, mate, and love working with you, under you, beside you. Don't be under me, mate. You're in trouble. Um, now, Aaron, you, you could you could ship over from Melbourne S and help me out with my marketing campaign. I think that'd be the other thing. I think uh, there's a few marketing campaigns that are struggling at the moment, but there's a few that are off to a bang too. And um, our next guest will be very chipper, no doubt, about uh, his loved kangaroos. Um, they got their man uh, and he must be super excited, that's for sure. Um, there's no doubt when you bring on a man of this man's ilk, I mean, how can you resist? Have a look at him. Clarko is back, back at the family home. Um, Little thug. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But it all comes from humble beginnings. Uh, he was lucky enough to spend a bit of time at the Demons as well as a player, and um, we got him at the end of his career. And we all know what he did after that in you know, the coaching side of things. And uh, I think it's fantastic for the North Melbourne Footy Club to be able to land him because um, there was a few sniffing at the heels, no doubt. So let's bring him up. The big H. Welcome back, Hayden. Uh, good evening, gentlemen. It's uh, it's great to see you all. Um, lovey, I love that little subtitle you got there. Lovey for Essendon Footy Club coach and president and bootstutter. You've <laughs> got, got nothing to lose, have they? Well, yeah, some would say that they're in a bit of strife still. I mean, it's, um, you know, as the, as the weeks and days tick over and we get closer towards understanding who's going to be... Uh, you know, playing in the big dance, you know, the Bombers, it seemed like they're not even really at the start of uh, having any real serious conversations about who's going to lead that football club going forward, which is not an ideal scenario to be in. But anyway, enough about the Bombers already, Glenn, hey? Let's talk about the Kangas. Absolutely. We're up and about. <laughs> we've got, we've got the about. world's greatest we've got the world's greatest midget king hitter of all time. Ask Ian Aiken how his jaw's still going. Poor old Ian. I remember he, put, cool. um, he put a couple of people in a, in a garbage bin in London too in that fight. Uh, Mr. Clarkson. So, um, oh, look, it'll be interesting to see how he goes. Obviously, it's an enormous job. Uh, let's not sugarcoat it. They won two games and 
And, you know, I think a good pass mark next year would be to win another four or five would be a fantastic result. Um, they are at rock bottom as a footy club. Their talent is questionable still at the moment and they've got a very, very big job to turn that place around. And But in saying that, Collingwood, um, you know, was 17th last year and a, and a finished top four and they look like a whole new different place with a breath of fresh air in their coach in Craig McRae and just, a, you know, a happy environment to be in. So let's hope that's the case uh, for the Mighty Kangaroos. Definitely. Look, uh, H, you must be excited to see some guys re-signing now and committing um, versus running away from the club. Zerha was one that was questioned whether he's going to hang around at the club and it's just a great sign uh, to, and mind you, just on that, um, congratulations to Brett Deledio, who's a player manager, who's become a new player manager, uh, retiring after football and actually got that deal done for Cameron Zerha. So, mate, not a bad first signing for sure. So well done, Lids, um, on that yeah. appointment. Yeah, no, I think, I think again, what Clarkson will do for the footy club will give them some some reference points and some confidence now for players that actually want to sit down and potentially be a destination club. It hasn't been the case. They have targeted several players uh, over the last five years and they've missed on every one of them. Um, and it's one of the old sayings, until you get your uh, yeah, your house in order, it's, it's, a, it's a hard conversation, unfortunately, to sit down with a talented player and a player that's already there and sell the dream when the dream's been a nightmare. So let's hope it gives that stability that the club desperately needs. Look, it's it's a minnow club in so many ways, but it's also a very proud club, and it's also part of the history of this game that we all love and, and watch and admire. And I just hope personally, you know, for the Bombers' sake too, they, they, they turn things around quickly because, you know, it's sad to see such a powerful club going through what they're going through and not really having an identity at the moment. And, um, and, you know, 150 years this year, couldn't have been a worse scenario for them, unfortunately, in how it played out. So, yeah, it's good for the competition when the Melbourne teams are doing well. Um, you know, there's a lot of investment, obviously, in the national game and obviously the broadcasting deal, which I'm sure you guys will touch on, that's sort of rolled out yesterday. I mean, there's that much money in the football world now, in the game itself. There's people talking about it, commentating on it, um, coaching in it, developing people in it. It's a massive industry now. And um, we need strong and vibrant footy clubs because... It's the heartblood of Melbourne people and what we all love. It's so good what you say, you say that, H. And a couple of points you t- touched on. Everybody thinks for where North were at, say, four weeks ago, they're gone, it's putrid. But it's amazing how just an appointment of such a great coach, great people person like Clarkson, how the upbeat now about North is amazing. Now, as you said, it's not going to happen overnight. No, no, no. The Essendon point of view today, and we've all probably seen the news, um, Ross Lyons' comment, it wasn't a good vibe. Now, I've never met Ross, but that's the concern for me as a passionate bomber and the bigger picture, it's not a good feel. And I can't see when it's going to be a good feel. It can get turned around quick. Look at what McRae's done at Collingwood and the, the ethos that he sort of brought. It's fantastic. But there's a couple of clubs, um, Essendon definitely, I think St Kilda are a little bit they're, – they're in that luxury, luxurious position. They always finish 9th, 10th, 11th, a bit like the Tigers did for many years before they had their success. Essendon now, as I think Lovey, as and you will yeah. agree, and, and people watching, we were a superpower in AFL, VFL football. We are we're, – we're minnow. Yes, we've got 80,000 members, but – you say to people now, who's the laughing stock of the AFL? And it's often not North Melbourne or the Gold Coast. 
or even West Coast, it's the Bombers. And that's, for the AFL going forward, that's a, that's not a good thing. No, I totally agree. No, totally agree. And uh, look, it can be turned around and uh, it'll be interesting to see over the next couple of weeks what happens in that space. Um, you know, coming out and, and, and stating pretty publicly at that time that they wanted an experienced coach. Well, there's not many at the moment that aren't already got their own gig who are experienced. I think they may have left a little bit of a caveat there in relation to that comment about experienced, meaning not necessarily having coached and being very successful, but experience in terms of being at, at various clubs and being under, you know, good tutelage by experienced coaches. So, you know, obviously they'll be talking to Adam Uze. They'll obviously probably be targeting Don Pike. I'd be flabbergasted if they weren't balls deep in trying to get Damien Hardwick out of Richmond. I know he's been fantastic there, but he's been an Essendon person. He's had 10 years, I think maybe 11 years at Richmond now. He's pretty much wrung everything out of that club that he can, I reckon. So I reckon they'll be his number one target now. Uh, it'll be interesting to see whether or not he, he jumps or bites. I'd love to have what you think, Lovey, because I've been involved in so, coaching, but both you and H have coached in your own right, so to speak. And it's. Look, it's it, it, but the thing with football clubs, and Essen's a perfect example of this, where it's just an assumption that you'll turn it around. And it doesn't work like that. And it's not, this isn't a coaching issue now. I mean, they'll get they'll get a bloke who's got proper qualifications. And that's that's. That's a, that's a late amateur, right? It, it, it then comes down to how well he can uh, translate all the things that he knows into his group and into a performance on game day, et cetera, et cetera. Our issues have been straight-up nepotism for the last 20 years. And there's been this assumption at our football club, and to your point, Glenn, you say that we've been a superpower and a powerhouse. There's been no such thing for about 15, 20 years except outside our own walls. We haven't been listening. We haven't been keeping up with the times on anything to do with how to run a football club properly. We have, and this isn't the first time the board's given itself a massive upheaval. You, you had the whole James Heard thing prior to that. You had the Matthew Knights, Kevin Sheedy saga. Um, you had from Matthew Knights to James Heard. Um, the whole the whole thing is, you've got such a big club. It's probably the most, one of the most immature football clubs I can think of, and I'm talking local level as well. You know, like you, you see a lot of local level clubs, they sort of implode because they don't have a lot of honesty in their, in their group or they don't have enough transparency or the ability to actually move their club forward well enough. Essendon hasn't moved its club in any way, shape or form, and it's just... It's just at a point now where it's just old white men just bloody playing around with it, toying with it. Now they're seeing that it's publicly shit, it's publicly shit itself. And you send the aftermath of that. The whole thing needs to be swept out. I think an Adam Uzo would be fantastic for our club. And I think you've got to back him in with a four-year contract. Let him have his thing. Should have let Ben Rutten have his third year. I keep saying that and I will continue to say that. He had a good year and a shit year. Okay, let's see what his third year looked like. Now, look, they haven't done that. Because, you know, you've got a very unprofessional board and committee that, that runs that football club. So until they're all gone, um, I don't see anything change. It, it won't turn around soon, not without proper hard work and a proper structure that's in place that has honesty and transparency in it. We just don't have it. That's what kills our footy club time and time and time and time again. And it's yeah, just embarrassing. 100% right, Lovey. Um, one, it's only one appointment is the coach and his crew, but there's so much more to pull together this club. I mean, 
when you think about how Melbourne's rebuild happened, it wasn't necessarily the coach that came first. They started with the CEO and they started right from there, got the board right, got the CEO right. Now, there was some AFL intervention, no doubt, um, but maybe, you know, that's what needs to happen to keep a club with a stable direction, um, constantly being looked at. If they want to try and keep some S in and things, a point by Carousella. Ask like Carousel, do you want the top job? He's got the support around him. Yep. So, you know, the, I wouldn't I wouldn't I wouldn't mind that either because A, the bloke can seriously coach from all reports at Richmond, etc. But um if you want to keep some sort of semblance of Essendon about you, then that might be the way to go. But um anyone gives the Doro a big stick and a, a really big hard time, but I'll tell you what, he's not he's not alone in there. You know, he's not one bloke that does recruitment. It's a full team. So, anyway, North Melbourne, look, I've given North a lot of shit over the years as an arrogant Essendon supporter, but um, and I hope that the, the, the celebrations do calm down a little bit. I don't want to be like Kane Corns and be an absolute party pooper, but um, I, look, I, I think Clark will get rid of the celebration cake pretty quick, I imagine, he's, uh, if he hasn't already, so... Um, he'll come in, broom it, the whole thing. That's what Carlton did. They got Vossi in. He cleaned it out. They're making tracks. They're starting to take advances. And Collingwood did the same thing with McRae. It's funny what happens when you take a broom to it. You get some honesty in the place and blokes are left to do the job they're meant to do. Well, Clarkson's first good appointment was Todd Viney. That's a start. Um, yeah. A great people person and... No nonsense. No yeah. doubt knows his footy and calls it pretty straight. So... Uh, obviously, he was experienced with him, and he was at Hawthorne with Clarko, uh, and then he moved to Melbourne, uh, which I questioned at the time. Um, you know, for bring back a Melbourne man, um, we we'd had a history of doing that, but it definitely worked out for sure. So I tell, I tell you what, Hayden, you get it. You, you could have Monkey on the coaching panel as well now. Yeah. Big, big fat ruck coach. You haven't had one of those for a long time. At <laughs> you all. should have. You should have seen him not long ago. He rolled into Beaky to watch his son play for for. Um... I swear to God, he pulled up in the biggest motorbike you've ever seen in your life. Draped <laughs> <laughs> right, the, the, the massive big leather jacket over the shoulder, waddled across with the biggest size 14 work shoes you've ever seen and the back yeah. of his bum crack hanging out, stood there and smoked about 14 gaspers and then just got on his bike and left. Never spoke to one person. He, he didn't even oh, get to hear them. You didn't even get to hear the dulcet tones. It sounds like a concrete borer. No, no. He, uh, he's he's one big unit old monkey. But, no, let, let's oh, leave yeah. him at the Hawks. I think he's better suited just down there at Waverley at the moment. But, um, yeah, no, look, it's, uh, it's certainly it's certainly a very uh, large proposition. There's no doubt about that at the, at the uh, Kangaroos Footy Club. But I'm sure it'll take their time and they'll get things right. They've got relevance again now and that's what they needed. They needed some credibility and, you know, they ripped the Band-Aid off, you know, obviously – Ducks in a row. You talked about it before, as with Melbourne, you know, people forget Peter Jackson, critical appointment, you know, smart operator, educated in the football caper. And this is what I think, you know, when we talk about blending coaches and, and CEOs and football directors and managers of people, you've got to have that eclectic mix of a whole range of skill sets and everyone that is involved with that. And this is the thing that Clarkson does do. He'll pull together the right people. And he'll hmm. give them their ability to be able to lead in their area. But he'll hold them to account. He's, he's not just the coach, Clarko. He, he's the overseer of everything. And that's exactly what, you know, I, I'd argue, you know, talking about coaching before, Lovey, you know, 
Carousella, I don't know him from a bar of soap, and people would think that I would know him because of my connections with Das, but I don't, and I hear good things about him. But, you know, not many people can drive the bus. A lot of people make a career out of being part of the ticket selling, but they can't actually drive it. And in the last 15 years, if you really think about the successful coaches in the AFL environment, most of them are borderline psychos. They, they are a different breed. They, yeah. they command an unsatiable appetite for respect and discipline. And, I mean, look at Horse Longline. I mean, the bloke loses his shit every game. He's an absolute yeah. mental case. You know? But the players love him. They want to see that. I don't see that in Cara. I don't see a passionate desperate, yeah. like, I will die for you sort of bloke. I see a real, like, I want to roll stogie and lay down and have a smoke with you. You know, like, Essendon needs someone that just points it out and says, this is how we're going and get on board or fuck off, basically. That's what they the need. Other, the other the other left field option, and he keeps being brought up, and he's always about the eighth candidate. He might be, look, he might be past it from a, a new age football perspective, but if you're looking for a bloke that bounces the club about the joint and gets everyone up and going, it'll be Choco with him. Yeah, got uh, my, my eldest, my son Jack. Yeah. Oh, sorry, as Jack, Jack said that today. Like, Jack is nineteen. He said we threw money and said about Clarko. Clarko was never really going to come because we didn't do the due diligence. But Jack said, I don't mind if you get. He like they was on SEM. They were talking about Ash Hansen. They spoke about Adam Uze. But if you're going to get them, say there's your three years. But then say to Choco, mate. Are you happy to be what you what you are or have been at Melbourne? And I think that's a good appointment. That's that working together, you come, I come, whatever. Because, because he's not going to leave Melbourne unless you give him the head coaching job. So it's either going to be Uzo yeah. or Choco Williams. You're not going to get him together. He's not going to leave. Yeah. He's not going to leave Melbourne just to do another assistant role. No way. But do- Fuck that. On that note, though, Lovey, do we get do we get too wrapped up with the coach having to be everything? Like, what about yeah. putting some people of expertise? Like, here's the figurehead, here's the leader, here's the person that's going to put the arm around. He's going to whack them when they need it, and here's the tactical genius next to him, and here's the boot starter, and here's the great right. high performance guy. I mean, Melbourne got Darren Burgess, they got Peter Jackson, they got Paul Ruse. They went and built it, mate. They said, yeah. and people laughed at them. They wanted Goodwin out two years ago. They said he can't coach. He's no good. Yeah. Field That's of dreams, right. H, field of dreams, build it and they'll come. But the thing yeah. is, the, 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 I think you're right, Hayden. The, 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 we've, we've followed American and English sport way too much. 100%, yeah. way too much. They're, they're, everyone's just more than happy to fire the coach after six games or seven games or something like that. That's all yeah. well and good. Let America do that. Let the UK do that. Let Europe do that. Who cares? Um, our sport requires a bit of resilience and a little bit of time every now and again and patience yep. um, because it's a two-hour game for starters, let's face it. Um, but, you, you know, you're playing 23 games a year or 22 games a year plus a final if you're lucky. It takes up eight months of your year. Um, to be asking for coaches' heads and all that sort of stuff so early in the piece is just it's, – it's ludicrous, but we've, been, we've trapped ourselves into that sort of thing. Um, I, I just think – I just think that somehow the players need to be held a bit more accountable for that. And I, yep. and I, I don't know how the contracts are sold these days. I don't know how they're actually drafted up anymore. But um, clearly, clearly tails wag too many dogs at too many clubs uh, still, yep. even today. And, um, you know, for some reason, boards and committees get sucked in by 
um, perception and what's out in the media and all, all the rest of it. So you need to be seen to be making change just for the sake of making change. And you, you get that everywhere, whether it's a government entity, it's your own business or a larger or small medium business. You know, if you're panicking, what do you do? You go out and you make a change because you feel like it's just going to be better. But yeah. that's not necessarily the right way to go about it. And I think yeah, well, it- uh, a smaller clubs need to be a bit better at that stuff. No doubt, but it's not it's not footy like we grew up with heart root, you know, landscape of footy, you know, two nights a week. I mean, Terry Danaher and these sort of guys at Essendon years ago, I mean, they were working full-time jobs and going to footy training like yeah. your local team does at, uh, you know, yeah. enormous amateurs. You know, like it's a, there's, a, there's a CBA involved here. People don't understand the enormity of what's involved behind the scenes. There's a CBA. You know, I, I'd mm. say to Das, you played Sunday. Oh, no, we're not in the club till Tuesday. Well, mate, you guys are dog shit. Get into the club with your teammates and get better. You know what I mean, yeah. oh, we can't. No one's there. Like it's just, you know, we. It's it's a different. It's bonkers. World it's bonkers, and, that, and so that's that's like um, you know, these, these forwards they get told, but we, we, we get told we can't have our fifty kicks after a training session because our sports medical blokes tell us that oh, you might put too much weight through your groins or you too much load in your quads or you, too much fucking salt in your hamstrings or some shit. I don't know, and I just. It seemed to work for Plugger. It seemed to work for Bungal. It seemed to work for Fraser Gary. If you're looking for more yep. modern football, even Barry Hall, he he kicked yep. fifty after every session. Yeah, he told him to get fucking kicking goals. Yeah. I'll tell you one thing. I do know. Three years ago, when when Mark Williams arrived at Melbourne, he went to Clayton Oliver and said, "You can't kick. You're not an elite player until you can kick the ball and drive your legs out of stoppages and carry the footy. Yeah. He said, Petrarca, you're running around like a fathead. What do you want to do with your career? And he drove standards with those two. Mm-hmm. You know? Now, look at them now. Seriously. Every week, you just watch them play. Now, Petrarca's obviously injured, and, and he probably hasn't had as many games maybe last year that he just tore apart. But, but you know, pointy end of the competition we're talking about, two of the top probably seven, eight players in the comp, and they were just plateauing. Now, who's doing that at Essendon? Who's doing that at some of these clubs? Who's going to some of these guys and saying, hey, you know what? You know, you need to be better. You need to, you need to get better at what you do, mate, because at the moment you're just in, a, in an environment at the moment where you're not going to get the best out of yourself if you aren't prepared to drive standards. I, I listened to uh, Brayshaw from Freo the other day who all he wants to do is get better every week, every game, every contest. Now, someones he's either a really good kid, comes from great stock, I realise that, but he's probably got someone there mentoring him who says, this is what you need to do if you want to be the very best you can be. And how many people are doing that at Bomberland? How many people have been doing that at North? How many of them are doing it at some of these clubs that we're talking about? And that was a big transitional turnaround in the Demons. And, you know, I know James Harms really well. He's related to my family. You know, James Harmer would be one of the first five picked in many clubs, mate, because of the way he plays. He plays like his, his life depends on every contest. Like, and he's been playing roles for three years for that footy club that don't suit him. But if you don't buy into that role, you don't get picked, James. Sorry, mate. That's how it works. Well, Brayshaw, the Melbourne Brayshaw is the same. Yeah. Melbourne Brayshaw is exactly the same. Only this year he's gone back into the midfield, but he spent three years yeah. as a winger. Half, Correct. He loved it. But that the bombers they suck about that though. They suck about that. Oh, but I'm a, I'm this, I'm that. You know, it's that buy-in. It's that. Mm. You know. By the way, I can't believe that people wanted Harms's head for for a bump last week. Seriously, I don't know where that's going, but that's totally like. Seriously, Did he even hit him in the head. He hit him in the chest. Hit him in yeah. the chest. Yeah, but, but, but hang on a minute. 
man about town, Tommy Brown, wanted him cast, incarcerated. They want him sent to, like, you know, Alcatraz. Yeah, but Tom, Tom, Brown's, a, Tom Brown's a fucking peasant. Don't worry about him. At worst, it's a 50-metre penalty. At worst, it's a 50-metre penalty. I got that. Yeah, that's right. Anyway, what a weekend of footy it was, though, Az, Absolutely. Just on that, though, sorry, Az, one second. Just on the the one for harms. No, but just on that, what about Buddy? What the hell did he get that 50-metre penalty for? Righto, we'll come back to that. He's bumped exactly. on sides. I know, but honestly. That's it. That's it. Yep. Absolutely. And no, and no, no, no more needs to be discussed. He's Buddy Franklin. The AFL needs him, mate. Yep. Interesting is you talk about what uh, what Choco Williams did to Oliver and Petrarca, and he did exactly the same thing to Dusty years before. Um, and we all forget about how great Dusty has been now. But when you think about what he was as an early player, he was lazy and he couldn't kick. And 100%. Look at exactly what he's done. He put all the work in and all the players wanted to be like him afterwards. So uh, that's just true testament to putting the hours in. Um, what you don't see off the field uh, or on the field, sorry. Um, sadly, you don't get to see too much on the uh, off the field at tra- after training anymore. You're exactly right, lovey. There's no such thing as 50 kicks after the game anymore or after training. So... All right, we're going to kick off, guys, with just a little recap from the games just gone on the weekend. So we're going to kick off with Lions and Tigers, and, boy, that was a close one. And it's going to get close. It's going to get into the hands of the Lions. Cometh the moment, cometh the man, and the man is Tom Lynch. Martin's on the left. 3-1. Right, right foot snap. This is tricky. He hasn't celebrated. The definitive angle was Lynch's response. And he, he was absolutely disappointed with the kick. Yeah, Review was. complete. Looking at these angles, we can see the ball crosses the line over the top of the goalpost. Oh. Decision on the scoreboard. Yeah. That's a, a, suddenly the lines. That's a massive overall, right? They go again. Zorko got it on here. Starsovich, brilliant smother Rioli. Gio was fantastic. Now Bolton's on the ground. Hickwood's got it out. Coleman's a good kick. Does he get enough? That was exciting, wasn't it? Um, let's forget the Lynch decision for two seconds, but what a match. I mean, if the AFL was ever trying to put together a couple of pieces of footage uh, to pitch their broadcast deal, um, boy, that must have got them an extra billion uh, over the line on their contract. So it's fantastic to see. Lovey, what's your thoughts on that game and how it panned out? Uh, I can't stand Brisbane. They're they're a team that's just full of a bunch of arrogant little wankers that have done nothing. Disclaimer, um, disclaimer. And it made me it made me absolutely sick to watch that sook of an individual kick the winning goal from their goal square. You absolute shit bloke. 
I, I'm, I, I was ill. I was actually ill. I was, at, I was at the Spread Eagle in Richmond watching it, and I jumped on the wagon. I thought three times. They got three goals out in front. I thought, just kick the next one and you're home. Kick the next one and you're actually home. You'll be fine. But no, they couldn't. So I don't think Dimmer can blame anything else except his own team ultimately. But um, to allow that five Richmond blokes in the goal square and not one was on that piss end who ended up kicking the, the, the winning goal. Yeah. Um, yeah, good game, but just ruined by the, by the fact that those assholes won it. It was. I mean, 16 or 17 lead changes. It's, it's almost unheard of, surely. Um, mm. But to be so close right to the death knock, I mean, what a way to set up a finals weekend. Um, now, Cuz, I've got to ask you about the decision, mate. I know you're an ARC Review uh, fan. Um, surely <laughs> we didn't have the angle, mate. Surely we didn't have the angle we needed. Very hard to overrule. I, I, I often don't agree with Damien Hardwick. But what he said after the game is very true. If you're going to have the technology, he didn't drop the F-bomb, but get the fucking technology right. Hmm. Or don't have it. Don't use it. So just hang on a second, Alan. You like to interrupt me when I'm talking? You had it. It was there. The umpire gave his decision. Now, to my understanding... If it is not categorically clear that that was wrong, umpire's call tends to stand 95% of the time. To me, I don't care what body language Lynch did. That'd be like going out to Pentridge and saying, yeah, there's a lot of blokes in, or not Pentridge, Dame Bar and President, whatever it's called, who didn't do it. This because Lynch went, not good enough. Yeah, you can't possibly use the reaction of the player. I mean, we, every player is going to be up and about regardless if that was the case. Um, I mean, it's just crazy. Your thoughts, H? Oh, look, look, I'll let, you know, smarter people, not you, Cuz, of course, but uh, discuss the uh, the goal umpiring decision. But I just wrote down some notes here that, on the game because I watched it intermittently and I was enthralled with the 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 scoring of both teams. It was a high scoring game, and, and that's what as footy purists we love. We love to see teams kicking goals. So that was a big tick in the game itself. Now this is this is a bit of a swipe at at Richmond's set system, but I understand it because it's been so brutally successful for them. But to arrogantly let Lockie Neal run around and just control the game was an indictment on that coaching group. And someone should have been able to say to Dimmer, hey, we've got to put a cooler on this guy. He is tearing us a new one here. To lose by two points or whatever it was, four points, you know, um, for for them, for Brisbane to be able to, to get over having McInerney knocked out in the first three minutes and ruck Daniel McStay was was a genius move. It turned out to be, even though Nankervis dominated hit outs and they dominated, you know, clearance hits and all the rest of it, it didn't seem to affect Lockie Neal. He just ran around and got 15 clearances and had 40 touches and was the difference in the game. And and finally, the injury at a crit- critical time for Prestia going off when he just started to fire up, probably just zacked any of their ability to be able to win inside footy. Because Koch, as much as he signed another year and he's been a great warrior for that club, their biggest issue at the moment is their leg speed through the middle of the ground. And they need to address it. Hence why, obviously, they're looking to get Taranto and, and a few other people through the, through the midfield mix. But 
I mean, Liam Baker was the perfect one to put straight in the middle of the ground there and just say, hey, boy, go and uh, go and do your bit, your business and maybe even work off Lockie Neal. But I think it's one that got away for the Tigers. And, and I think he's made that comment a few times through the year, Dima, where he said that Richmond you know, ended up beating Richmond. I think sometimes as coaches, we back our systems in and it's been so successful for him that I can understand him sitting on his hands. But it was the game that they needed to do something about curbing Lockie Neal's influence and they didn't. I think that was a bit of arrogance by Dimmer H, I think, as you said, that, oh, we'll, we'll get this. Like, the decisions that they made in selection decisions, and I'll get held down for this, number four is a superstar. He should not have played. He had no impact on the game. Yeah, no, that's, that's crap, Clint. That's fucking crap. You're playing Dustin Martin every day of the week and twice I, I, on Sundays. Okay, okay. lovely. So in the last 10 minutes of the game, when the game is there to be won, what impact? Where was Dustin Martin? Uh, you don't lose a game by one bloke having either an impact or not. You lose a game because you don't look after the football as a collective group. You lose the game because you don't man up at the right moments. It's got nothing to do with Dustin Martin having an impact at the 24-minute mark of the last quarter. You play in every final and twice on Sundays. Did he also have an impact in the other quarter then, Lovey? What? Did he have an impact in any other quarter? Mate, what does it matter? You, you, you would be howling, you'd be howling dimmer down if they lost the game and they didn't play Dustin Martin. So let, let's just cut the bullshit. There'd be, there'd, be, there'd be criticism on Dimmer if if he didn't play and they lost the game. So, it, you know, snakes and ladders, who cares? I mean, the, the thing for me, what, what I liked about what Brisbane did with the McInerney injury, Eric Hipwood played the game of his life because McStay didn't get in his fucking way. So it actually helped Brisbane. When you think about it, their structure just all of a sudden up forward, they looked so much more dynamic. They didn't look so And there was space to run into, wasn't there, you know? Absolutely. Even Joe Danaher looked a lot freer because there wasn't that third big lunky forward. So um, a lot of things things went into play that helped Brisbane a bit, but Richmond still had it in their hands, in their grasp at least three times at night, should have been more experienced, just did not get the job done. Correct. That's it. Their defensive efforts as a former defender and a defensive coach, and I know we don't want to focus on the last minute, that was terrible. And, well, and the way – and the blobs who did comment, it. On that comment, Cuz, I think we could say that about a few games in that uh, – in across this round. So let's hold that thought and we'll roll yeah. the tape to the Demons and Swans. It didn't come down to the last minute, but one of the other games did. So let's let's roll the, the next game that was the, the yep. next Advantage. game. Can Brown use it? Yes, he can. Spargo over the top. Melton slips over. Didn't really get great contact. Spargo's got to kick the goal. What a smother. What a smother by Fox. It was midair. It was gigantic. Just when Melbourne was surging. Sydney take a bow. McDonald barely the 15. Back to Goulden. A little bit sloppy, but it works. May just got it on the second give. Row bottom. Got it to Heaney. Goal square goal. Is that it for Sydney? Sydney are going to win. They're into a prelim final. Massive game, uh, that one. No doubt, once again, players got caught out the back. Um, 
and they got a couple of free run on goals. But we started that little bit of footage. The game was kind of over then, but those defensive efforts where they gave Melbourne no space to move um, were just exactly what the Swannies have brought most of this year. And that's why I think they're the biggest dark horse um, still in this race if they can get a few over the line. People say, are they going to kick enough goals? Mate, they've kicked plenty of goals. Don't worry. They've kicked plenty of scores over 100. Um, and if they play as a defensive as they did and as attacking um, just that swarm mentality, um, incredible. Uh, I know we held Buddy. Mate, that was just one piece of the puzzle. To me, that's, that's why you run a Dusty Martin out there, right? You put him out there because he's going to take your best player. If you actually, what they didn't do to Lockie Neal, if you actually play on him for starters. Um, but Swans were great. Boys, interested in your thoughts on the on the Bloods? Oh, 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 I was going to go the other way, but I'll go Melbourne first. Ben Brown, where is he at? I wrote down also. Now, in relation to the dusty thing we just spoke about, and Lovey will howl me down and abuse me again. Big selection dilemma for Melbourne this week about Petrarca. Big selection thing. Because well, he's fit and he's playing. So there you go. Yeah. He's fit and he's playing. When Love and I were coaching a game, once someone once said to us, you've got to get your best players on the ground. I don't think he will be anywhere near 80% fit. That's just my little doctorate opinion. Your small forwards, as Pickett, I know what he can do, but not great. Spargo, those sort of blokes. Obviously, Melksham played in that role. They just looked out of sort. Was it a a bad night? Or, and the last one I want to say, um, the defenders were fantastic, I thought. Your defenders were good, but for probably the last half of the year, as you're sitting there a couple of times as a Melbourne man, and Lovey and I have spoken about this a couple of times. Who has Sam Wiedemann killed? Why is he not getting a go? Well, we talk about defensive pressure, and I think that's been one of the knocks on Wiedemann, to be perfectly honest. He's yep. incredible with Casey, but we know it's and he plays beautifully in the ruck for Casey. Now, is he an eight to ten minute rucket at Melbourne? Absolutely. But if he's actually got to play on someone, that's questionable, right? Defensively. Yep. And to how's be honest, ben, how's just Ben Brown's second effort at the moment? Yeah, but Wiedemann just doesn't take enough clunk marks, which is interesting because I say the same thing about Brown at the moment. But honestly, Ben Brown's been playing a different role. There's no way he's playing the same role he played at North right now, right? Now, he played a different game in the grand final for us, but you cannot tell me a forward goes up one-handed ever, right? We learned, we learned that from junior footy. There's a reason he was at one stage he was had poor timing, he was running under the ball. But a lot of the other times he was going up one handed almost with the um, sole objective to get the ball down to the runners, right? And down to the little blokes, get the little blokes in the action. Now, the issue was a couple of weeks ago, the little blokes just never got onto the ball. Now, they got onto it beautifully in Brisbane. Honestly, the young, the small blokes just had a bad night. Uh, basically as simple as that. And Swans just gave him no room to move because he didn't have all his room to do his disco dancing, mate. He was caught and he was in trouble. Uh, And I think when a player like that loses confidence, he doesn't go and do the defensive tackling pressure. He just waits for it to come to him again. So we just got caught out, to be honest. Um, But I'm interested in Ben Brown because, H, you know Ben Brown well from his days at North. Um, 
the big question is, do you persist with him? Do you leave him there? Or have Melbourne got something else that they haven't called on yet? Well, I think it's twofold, as to be honest with you. I think I just wrote some stats down off that game. And the, the things that are really important to forget about Melbourne, essentially, just in general terms here, okay? So Melbourne won contested possession by 15. So plus 15 contested possession. They won inside 50s by six. And they, the Sydney Swans laid 25 tackles in their forward 50 and 28 in the last quarter. Now, when Melbourne were flying last year, they had frantic pressure on the ball in their forward half. They were off the charts and it allowed their back six essentially to have two guys roll off and control the game. And any good side these days that, that has their forward pressure at the absolute pointy end, which Sydney had on the weekend, allows you to set the ground up and you can control territory, which meant that May, who did a great job on, on Buddy, but the biggest thing that I wrote down here of the game, and this is a really important one, it's easy sometimes to see a game and go, oh, you know, Lovey was best on ground, Azza was best on ground. Tell me who Sydney's best player was on the weekend, just like that. Can you tell me? You wouldn't be able to tell me because they don't give a shit to start off with. They don't care. What they care about is everybody buying into what they need to do. And they brought incredible pressure. And if you are 5% off in a final or any game, but 5% off in a final, you get beat. And Melbourne, don't worry. If Melbourne get their acting the gear, Melbourne will still go very deep in the in this season. I've got no doubt about it. They've got too much talent on the ground. But they're running around at the moment and they're not buying into what they were doing last year when they were off their charts in pressure. That's it. Ben Brown, he's a link player. He's never been a pack mark. He's a... He's a long, he's like a, he's a caravan, mate. You jump on the back of him, he toes you up the ground and back. But but if he's competing and he's bringing the ball to ground and the smalls aren't fighting hard for it, then then he's the dead man walking. He won't lay a tackle. He can't chase anyone. So that's the epidemic. I think, that uh, the yeah. I think uh, there's two changes I'd make, and I still, th- I still think you back the boy in. Um, so Jake Meltdown goes out. Um, and it's also... Fine. Um, yeah, glad we got rid of him. And also, I think Ben Brown does make play. I mean, for me, Tom McDonald comes in and Wiedemann comes in. And I think you've just got to have more tall targets that can move up the ground and get back. Never had that. You just didn't have it. And what it did, the only thing I'll say about the game, and this is why I think the Swans won it, the way that they can transition but cover each other's asses while getting back behind the ball is just elite. You watch, you're watching the foreground. You're watching the foreground, the way the Swans do it. it, it it's old-fashioned. We never say it at local footy. You, you, you head on a swivel. You, you look to see what's around you. Then you call your mate in. You call your mate. You can actually see how they do it. It is like clockwork. Yeah. And that little grab that you had there, uh, Aaron, yeah, the Melbourne bloke slipped over. But I'll tell you what, you watch this. There's four Sydney players diagonally running to make sure there's coverage to the most dangerous areas of the ground. Mm-hmm. And Johnny Longmire's got them that discipline. But when you haven't got the footy, that's what you've got to do. And you just see them do it all the time. Have they the only other thing I'll say about the Swans, the only thing I'll say, the only other thing I'll say about the Swans, what is it with interstate clubs and they've got just entitled little pack of winkers? There's another group, little Papley. I just would love to just get him and just. Nah, you know what? He's, he'd be the first picked in a lot of, ta- a lot of clubs. He's, he he's would be, but until he's in my club, 
Yeah. Until he's in my club, Hayden, I just don't want him. I just want to that one. As a, I'm, I'm going to ask you a question. As a Melbourne man, have they gotten have they gotten ahead of themselves with what they're doing with Max Gorn? Because Pushing Max Gorn is a dominant ruckman and he plays his best footy when he controls centre bounce and sits behind the ball and marks the football. Yep. Are they trying too hard to make Jackson want to be a Melbourne player by giving him more ruck time? What are they doing with him? He's yeah, gone, mate. He's out the door. It's a really hard one on Jackson. I still hear mixed reports. Um, there's no certainty he's gone yet. That's that's what I'm hearing now. I'll, I'll, I'll give you this one. I'll give you this, I'll give you this theory. They're playing Max going forward a lot more often. They know they're getting Grundy. That's that's the Grundy one. can't play Grundy. forward. Grundy can't play forward. So they're trying to groom Gorn, even at the age of 32, to become a pinch forward. Who the will issue is, though, the, the season's here to win now. They're, they're still yeah, talented correct. enough to win back-to-back yeah. flags right now. If, if, you, if, you want a, if you want a guy can compete with three opposition defenders hanging off him and he just goes, yeah, put Luke Jackson 10 out from the square. That's right. Leave him there. Yeah. And he's a dog's body. You know what? If he gets crushed, he gets crushed. You've got two games left with him. Might as well just use him before he pisses off over the border. And but he likes the bash and crash too, though. That's that's the thing about him. He he likes yeah. the bash and crash. So as yeah. you said, lovey, you've got him. Whether you've got him for two more or whatever, yeah. the time is now. You in the window? Put him in. Yeah, Max will be in his first centre bounce on the weekend. You watch, bang. Yeah. Well, in, yeah. Interesting enough, that's not how it started, and and uh, Jackson kicked off. But that that's an interesting point um, about Max because I've. I've stewed over that idea where Max really does his damage. And I think Max does his damage a little bit about off just just out of the back line coming up towards the towards the wing. And I think that's when he fills that gap. Um, you're right, defensively still. And I think him forward, okay, he can take a mark, but you wouldn't want your house on it to, for him to kick, kick the goal. So I think he does waste a lot of opportunities, sadly. Um, yeah. I mean, a great player, no question. But Luke Jackson, you're right, a massive leap. He he loves it down low too, so he will pick up that and get that ball, that hustle ball, and he will get it out to Cozzy and do all the right things there. So, I mean, you talk about milkshake. The question is, is he just out now? Um, I honestly think he probably gets one more shot, to be perfectly honest, but I think we're getting to the Fuck point. He owes you. He owes you four goals. He knows he's got a target on his head and he also knows he's this is it for him, right? It's his chance to deliver. So I think uh, he's a little bit better than a one-game wonder for us this season. And I think um, he probably gets that one shot. My question is, Is does Hunt, someone like Hunt stay? Um, Bowie's got to come back, in my opinion. Um, so someone's still got to make way. I, the question I've got is one player that I think's just – Horribly, not horribly out of form, but he's nowhere near the form he was last year and he's come back injured is Salem. Um, and he just hasn't been able to do the same damage he's been been able to do. So another game, you never know. It can click at any time. But um, the other, you know, then you've got Brayshaw that's moved around in the past. I'd love to see Brayshaw still pulled out of the middle um, you, and Harms has got to be in there. Um, Salem's... I know, it sounds a bit funny, but... It sounds a bit funny, but I think, you know, Salem's also, he's a left footer. You haven't got a lot of left footers in that team, so that helps. Yeah, yeah, true, true. Between him and Brayshaw, you know, that um, there's a lot on the left for those two guys. Um, Brayshaw. Harmsy in the middle is perfect to just go in head-to-head with Lockie Neal. 
Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Still, what are you, you like, going to lose there? What are you going to lose there? You take him off yeah. the table, you win the game. Simple as that. Yeah. You can't. There's no way they can go into this game without clamping on on Lockie now. Hundred percent. You know Robinson. You know Robinson's going to go to Oliver. So you know. Yeah. Yep. Go I mean, the other way. A few few standard matchups, right? Hibbert's going to Cameron. Um, that's that's a lockdown. So it'll be it'll be interesting to see how that game pans out. But we'll talk about what's coming up shortly. Let's cross to quickly to the Cats um, and the Magpies. Another epic battle. Good morning. High and wide. The thump to the front. Rare fumble from Stewart. Umpire puts the whistle away. There is Tommy Stewart. Oh, great vision to Guthrie. Gives it to Duncan. Not sure why. Gets it back from Duncan. That's going to work. Out wide, Cameron. Out in front of Maynard. Here's Rowan. Out. Players out everywhere. Rowan. Holmes. Goal. Here's your siren. The Cats are through to a prelim. In one of the best finals you will ever see. Yeah, what a game. Um, Great game. That was, that was uh, if everyone wasn't exhausted watching that, I don't know how those players will be, but they'll be incredibly tired uh, this week. So I feel feel for the Pies trying to go around again. Uh, the cats that was so much fun to watch. Wasn't it? Wasn't <laughs> it? Wasn't it? That, 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 that end result was just your beauty. <laughs> just a quick shout out, as. I missed the start of that, and you probably did as well. We went to a great game of local footy. Um, Bandura played Heidelberg in the second semi-final in the Northern Footy League, and it went to extra time. And then Heidelberg won in the second half of extra time with a basically a kick on the side and a win by a goal. Which, being in Richmond colours, there was a little bit of controversy. Little side thing. You can look at the video yourself, boys, and see what you think. But, yeah, um, hey, hey, yep. what's what's this? What's this Northern Football League? Thing. I don't. What's that? Is there a league in the northern suburbs? Is there? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a bit. Yeah. Oh, well, sounds great. Ignorance is bliss. Ignorance <laughs> yeah, pretty is cool. bliss. Back in the I mean, day. it's not elite, but you know, no, we're, okay. we're very familiar with the Northern Footy League. Um, <laughs> we just don't like to talk that much about it. That's all. <laughs> anyway, back to Cal- back to back to the amazing game of Joel and Collingwood. It's just good practice, back. Right. <laughs> a little a little note that I wrote is I've got a lot of respect for and I don't mean this to sound like last minute news, but I think the buy-in at Collingwood is amazing. So you've got to give credit to obviously McRae, but to the players as well. Like just we spoke about the Swans sort of character and ethos before before. And Collingwood have got that now as well. That they have got amazing belief that anytime, anywhere, we can actually win a game of footy. All right, we're just and on that, cuz. Just on that, cuz. Okay, so what's McRae come in and done that's so different? What's he done? Well, I'm according to Jeremy Ho, we got who was um, on SCN on one of the shows last week. So before. Who? 
the game. Jeremy Howe. Oh, was that? Jeremy Howe? Yep. Give us he a Jeremy Howe. He said they did no match simulation until sort of January. So they basically did basics. And that, that comment that he made, McCray made about them looking like winners, not arrogant. Every drill they do at training, at the end of it, laughing up and about, similar to what Richmond started when they were having their success. Everything they do, they do like winners. So as he said, and we all heard the press conference, of the, he said, we didn't lose that game, we're going to be winners. Yes, the score, we know what the score said, and I think that's a good thing. Like if you look at a lot of the successful teams, even the teams in the eight, if you watch teams now when they run out before a game, it's not like it used to be, like, don't show an expression. You've got to do this. They're smiling. They're up and about. How often do we say it as spectators, commentators, oh, geez, they're flat? Well, a lot of clubs walk out with a have a bit of fun, boys, and that sort of stuff. Just on, that, I think... though, just on that, though, because of the same context, I don't think the players seem to hurt enough when they lose. Um, may they're very quick to smile and all have the hug and everything else. So I, I just think it's part and parcel of the game now. The guys, guys are a bit different. Um, I absolutely think, forget about it. You can't do anything about that result anyway. So the whole look of hurt is a, kind of irrelevant now anyway. Um, you'd move very quickly, move on to next week. And they all know each other so well and intricately now that they're all pretty much mates, um, majority of uh, teams and always have a player on another team that is a mate. So I'm just interested to hear your thoughts, H, on what you think that McRae's done differently. Has he just allowed, the, you know, pure freedom effectively to play play footy and and that's what we're seeing. We're seeing a fresh bunch of young blokes that are just out there playing almost chaos footy to some degree and it's just rolling and rolling and rolling at the moment. Oh, I 100% agree with that. I think that he's coaching to their strengths rather than trying to pick apart all the things they're not doing to the level. I mean, he's replacing a guy who's probably in our time in Buckley, one of the most, you know, anal professional, absolutely cutthroat, live and die by the sword, death by a thousand cuts. It's this way. We've got to grind. It's just roll your sleeves up to a guy who's come in who's just said, you know what? You guys have got picked to be playing AFL football. How about we go and play to your strengths? How about we encourage you to take the game on, to fail, to to fall down, to get up again? To So their ball movement, their ability – I mean, Collingwood could not move the ball in the last three years. Like They were the worst team to take the ball from their back 50 into their forward 50. And now all of a sudden they are playing with a freedom, uh, an exuberance, a confidence to link up, um, to get off and cover off for each other defensively when they need to. And they're not great in clearance – they're not, they haven't got a great forward line. They are just happy. They are a happy team. And I think that's, you know, testament to, to where McRae has read the cues and come in and said, you know what, we're just going to have fun. We're going to make it really um, an environment where we keep striving to get better. But we're going to coach you on the things that you're doing really well and keep bringing them to the table. And we're going to work on the things that you're not doing so well over a period of time. And that just shows to me, an environment that people want to be at. You know, most of those players have improved under McRae's system this year. Yeah, definitely. And one thing I've noticed is a sense of purpose. And if ever they didn't have a sense of purpose before, 
boy, have they got one now with uh, obviously the you know late in the game with Taylor Adams um, ripping that groin off. So if they're not doing it for him in the next few weeks, um, I'll be very surprised if that's not brought up. So Lovey, obviously that's the pies. Um, let's flip the chart to the Cats. Uh, pretty impressive outfit, and they got it done at the end of the day. So they get the week off. Yeah, my, my, my key knock on the Cats all year is if there was a team that put the pressure on them and really ramped it up in terms of what Sydney did to Melbourne, um, I think the Cats could potentially crumble and they go back to playing you know, just fiddly footy, which always brought them undone the last three or four years. But uh, I think they've got to put that as a real big tick because Collingwood came hard at them all day. And I think the fact they've been able to hold on and um, be resilient enough to get through, it's, it probably felt as good as a 10-goal win in a final anyway because they've, they've taken the monkey off the bat from a qualifying final perspective. Everyone knows how poor their record was. So the fact they've now got direct passage into a prelim final, um, that allows some of their key players to just get a bit of a rest, another bit of a rest, another kicking guard, because they're the oldest team in the comp by a long way. So the extra week will help. Um, but I think mentally they're going to be a lot better off now as well. Uh, had they lost that qualifying final, it's another one that they would have lost. Um, they've won a close game. So they've been belting teams most of the year. The fact they've been able to actually win a game when they've been when they've had the heat put on them, I think is the most crucial part of why that would be such a good win. They've actually answered the call. You recall Richmond in the 2020 Grand Final after half time. Richmond didn't do anything special except pressure, 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 and John have crumbled in a lot of close games ever since that night. And I think last Saturday night they turned that around. That's That was very important for them. Yeah, and I think you, you raise a good point. It's not so much just a physical freshen up, it's a mental freshen up and reset mm-hmm. most importantly. And I think we know that it's so close Um you know, from a skill set point of view between all these teams now, that it's, it, we all say that it's, you know, just that last bit on how, how switched on you are on the game. And you got to be switched on right to the last 30 seconds these days. Um, yeah. They, you know, they're trying for it. They, they rehearse this minute to two minute play um, religiously now. So to see teams execute it, and I know a lot of it still comes down to luck um, in those last couple of minutes, but, I thought when Selwood really started to burn and take over, um, I think that's when that's when uh, the Cats really got going. So he just said, he just grabbed it and said, right, I'm on here. This has got to happen now. Pretty much like Petrarca's done with Melbourne. Um, and I would yep. say Lockie Neal did it too with, uh, with Brisbane too. He, so, he put his team on his back. Yep. Yeah, yeah. It takes those moments, doesn't it? Um, it does. <clears throat> does. I, look... Um, Geelong was, like I said, Geelong have put themselves in a really good position now because they've actually mentally got themselves over that hurdle. It's good, it's massive. It's massive for a club, you know, that, that has tried and tried and tried. To they, have, um, they have tweaked their game style too, though. They have actually evolved. Yeah, like yeah. for the last two or three years, they were very much a kick mark, control the ball team. And they're going quicker. Their, their handball receives now, their ability to play on and take ground 
which is allowing their players that they've recruited into the club, like Cameron and Stengel. I was going to say, they've, they've, they've brought those blokes in, haven't they? Um, yeah, Stengel's standout. Yeah. Stengel's so an absolute standout. That's been a change in the way they're moving the ball, which is yeah. also then giving them the ability to be able to set up behind the ball because they're not over-possessing it. They were going nowhere for the last couple of years by chipping the ball around too much. Now they're going more direct. I mean, Max Holmes through the middle of the ground, Guthrie, guys that are linking up now, getting handball receives and taking the game on. They've become more of a territory team, which is allowing them that, yeah. that that ability that they have forward of the ball. Probably no team in the comp's got more talent forward of the ball than Geelong. And um, and look at Cameron. I mean, his game was just electric. You know, like that's what they yeah. got him for. That's why they sold the farm to get him. And and let's hope for for Geelong's fans' point of view and for him himself that he can stay physically sound for the next two or three games or two games if they can get to the granny because he had just a massive say in that in that game. Massive say. Yeah. I, I thought the um you, you spoke about Guthrie H. I thought Zach Guthrie was an is an become an amazing player for Geelong as well. Like he was always sort of been the the lesser known brother, but he's just become a good role player. Close um a guy who a lot of players is much much maligned. I thought Gary Rowan's game on Saturday was elite for a lot of the game. He tends to come in and out of games, but some of his work and some of his marks, his clutch mark and that goal was superb, I thought. Yeah. Oh, no, 100%. And young Guthrie, I mean, I mean, this is testament to, to the depth of the football club. Like, he has had to earn his stripes. You know, like, he has had to come through. He's been there four years now, five years, and he's probably played 30 games. You know, like, they, they, they make him earn it. And there's probably only really at the moment maybe two players in that side who would be a little bit nervous about keeping their spot. One would be the Irishman who came in and did a good job when the, the player was subbed out. Um, he would be still 50 50 because they could easily pick Menangola or Parfit, depending on what they decide with matchups going forward. But Grian Myers' form's dropped off terribly in the last six weeks. He, he's, he's nowhere at the moment. So whether they decide to play um, a different player forward of the ball, whether they can utilize perhaps maybe, um, you know, slipping Menangola in. Uh, more of a wing player and they're able to release another player forward and stretch sides. But I know he's a good pressure player when he's on, but at the moment he, he's as cold as a as a, an old Chico roll in the car park. So he, he needs to he needs to find a yard and I'll be very, very nervous if I had that little dreadlock and that funny kick around the corner. I'd be having a chat to the coach a couple of nights this week. Hang on. Hang on. Who's yeah, leaving? Who's leaving a fucking Chico roll in the in the in the car park? I'm eating that bastard. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Anyone has left a Chico roll in the car park? That's gold. Why waste good food at Hay Lobby? Love it. Well, not a chance. Yeah. Nothing like picking up the dregs of a kitchen and chucking it in some pastry. Awesome. <laughs> so yeah, the cats progress now to the daunting part that for them is the prelim final. Um, they got to they got to get there too. They got to get through it and into the big dance. So. Good luck to them in uh, in a week's time. They've got plenty, maybe too much thinking time now. Who knows? Who knows? All right, let's move on to the game of uh, two halves. Get around and tell them that there's a lot of time left. We can we can still win from here. Not 15. McRae goes long. Up goes Rock Smith. Oh, get a cape on him. Cape Rock. Through perhaps an inspired moment. Can produce something to get themselves back in this. And this is where the leaders get around now, where it's quiet, and you can run over to your teammates and get in their ear. 
Rock Smith comes in. He's just snuck it through. They just snuck into the finals and they might sneakily stay there. They're already nervous but starting to get tired now. Dunkley tries to get free but counts. Wachowski sweeps on the ball. Dunkley caught for holding it. Would mean so much to his football club. It's taken every ounce of the old heave-ho. But the Dockers have done it. That was the crowd, boys. Like, talk about complete silence at halftime and then just the will, you know, one goal, second goal, third goal, everything just started happening and they all their players got in and then I think Frederick just set them alight, uh, to be honest, and... Geez, you just got to love some of those players that can just turn on the magic um, when they need to. And I know some of them can be perceived as front runners and up and flying when the team's going well and not prepared to necessarily do all the grunt work. But, geez, that, it makes a big difference having a big, packed, loud crowd um, in a big stadium. So awesome, awesome effort because there's no doubt most people would have turned that off at halftime and said, mate, I'm done after the Pies game and, Watched half of uh, the Bulldogs and thought the Bulldogs are on their way here. Um, Lovey, interested in your thoughts on did you see the game? And ha- obviously you saw the last couple of minutes there, but um, pretty impressive. Pretty impressive. Uh, Brayshaw really willed him once again, grabbed it by the horns and willed him home as well. Probably the unpopular opinion here, but I was bored shitless by that game. <laughs> what did you expect? I, um, what did you want? Where, where did that go wrong for you? Didn't tick the box. Oh, uh, just you know what? It's just two teams that aren't near it. So I, I, that's how it felt for me. Uh, um, so you've no done As much as I've loved them this year, the rest of it, what they put up on the weekend stunk. And I think that um, you know the fact that the dog stunk even more so in the second half. That's. There was no quality football from either of those teams that's going to pressure Collingwood this week. No chance. Mm. Um, well, it's an interesting point, Lovey. You bring up a good point that would that have happened in the second half with any other team played against than the Dogs? And the answer is probably no. Um, there's none of those other teams that would have let that happen. Uh, I know momentum's one thing, mate, but momentum for a whole half where they kicked 11 or so, 11 or 12 of those last goals was just. Um, but you, I'll be arrested. Hanks made a really good point before about Melbourne in comparison to the hunger they had last year to compared to right now. Um, the dogs missed the top four double chance last year by percentage, I think it was in the end, in a mad scramble for that top two spot. They ended up fifth, rightly deserved a grand final spot when they got there. Their poles apart compared to this year, and it's a personnel issue, but it's also a want, a want to actually get the job done. They should have kicked two goals straight. If, if they were fair dinkum, they kicked two of the first three goals in that second in that third quarter and killed the contest and bore me even more so. <laughs> um, I, I, I just I just don't think the dogs are going to be near it next year as well. They're young enough to bounce back, but I don't think they will be. The Dockers have got a lot of upside, but they're going to have to recruit a lot more heavily for me. Um, the way the game, watching the game and the way it panned out, Skill sets were really low, but I actually almost found it was Bruce free football. Now, it's hard to say that about a final. 
that both halves, one team played Bruce Free and the other team played Bruce Free. It was actually that, very yeah. it was actually very average from a, an intensity perspective. The crowd was the only thing that made it sound remotely exciting. Hmm. The rest of it was just to me it was dross. It was it was trash football. Pretty hard on the same yeah. night when you're fronting up after the game before it, right? Because that was just yeah. a whole different level of uh where the yeah, team that's irrelevant. Was. I mean you can have, you can have a low scoring final. You you can have a low scoring final, but if if it's intense and if it's cool. if both teams are smacking in, if the skills aren't right, well then you at least want intensity in a really hard fought, good contest. That wasn't that wasn't it. It was a close game on the scoreboard, but honestly, I I didn't take anything away from it. It, it, it's interesting you say that, Lovey, and, and I, I tend to agree with a, a fair bit of it. But to me, looking at the Dockers going forward against Collingwood, if you look at the Dockers, it's their first, I know, as a home final. I played against a side who has probably got a few scars about playing finals after what happened in the grand final last year. But I think the Dockers now get a free hit at Collingwood. Now, I'm not saying they're going to beat Collingwood. They might not even get near Collingwood. But they've proven this year against good opposition, they can play the MCG well. So I think upside, sure. Of the six teams, probably likely that Brisbane and the Dockers will go out this week. And the Dockers are probably the one that most people think will get beaten. But I think with their kids and their upside... For sure. Definitely agree with you about the doggies. I think, well, we talk about coaches under pressure and new coaches. No. No. Can I think, let me finish? Let me finish. I'm just saying, a bloke who's got as much as he can out of his players, and I know the gentleman I'm about to say pretty well, they need to start giving him better support. So they need to look at how they recruit because the bloke who was kicking goals for the Dockers, he's supposedly going to the Doggies. The Doggies need defenders. They don't need forwards. I made a couple of quick notes. Oh. What's, what's happened to Josh Bruce? Where's he? I know he did his knee. He's fallen by the wayside. The other one I, I'm going to ask about, not a forward, where's Josh Dunkley with his footy? It was supposedly one of the bombers. Just he's a Port Adelaide next year. So there you go. So I know Libra was out, and he's a big ball magnet and a, and a barometer for that club. But I thought the doggies were insipid. But the two young kids for the Dockers who kicked goals, yes, Bruce free footy, but kicked clutch goals. Their upside's great. I'm concerned about the doggies. They could have a bit of free fall. Yeah, interesting. Uh, your opinion, H. Obviously, Cuz has just ridden off the doggies for next year. Um, at your That's peril. Not what I, said, I, Aaron? I, I was, no, you've you've absolutely torched them, and you've torched Bevo. You, you, you've burnt them. Have you yeah. torched Bevo? What did I say? Well, you said he's done. He's getting a sack too. So <laughs> you said he's a coach under pressure. Did you not say that? Absolutely. So I look. I think. I actually think the Bulldogs went out there and think they'd done enough at halftime and thought it was just going to happen after that. And then, as we know what momentum's like, you kick two or three, mate, they just couldn't stop them. And then they got to reset at three-quarter time and the Dockers just went on with it. So 
I don't think it's you're right. A lot you love it, you're absolutely right. I think it was a lot of bruise free footy in comparison, to be honest, but that's what you get kind of on that ground, to be honest. Your spread was much wider. And if you go harder, um, meaning running harder, you're more likely going to open them up. So, and there, as we know, those last quarters do open up a fair bit compared to the first half. So, H, interested in your thoughts on what are the doggies got or what are they missing? Um, and then how far can Frio go? Well, if you, if you look at the doggies in isolation, you take Liberatore out, which is their, their real heartbeat clearance inside tough player. They're a bunch of accumulators. They, they are 35 of the most pathetic. I mean, you know, I take my hat off to anyone playing AFL, but seriously, Jack McRae, have you seen a, a less impactful 35 possession player a week player? Honestly, like, like um, that's... Um. That is what they're full of. They're full of guys who rack up the footy. They want the ball in the hands of a couple of guys off their back half uh, in Bailey Dale and um, the little helmet fellow. What's his name? Caleb Daniel. Daniels. Caleb, yeah. Caleb Daniel, all the Daniels. Um, and they chip the ball around and get it back. And one, two, one, two, one, two. And 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 funda- fundamentally, their forward line was just dysfunctional. They they they. They did not change one thing about their forward structure. They had three talls. They had Jamari Hagen, who's 13 games into a career, who's improved this year. I think we'd agree he's improved because he was yep. nowhere the year before. They've got a kid, Darcy, who they kept, they wanted to play lockdown key defence to try and drag people away from, from Norton. And he got absolutely no ball at all. So the ball hit the ground and Fremantle's ability to get back into it was their ability to be able to just defend the ball on ground ball and then score off the back of it with their leg speed. They just cut them up through the middle of the ground with their pace. Hmm. And that gave Amos and Lobb and all these guys so many easy looks. I thought Gardner played the best game I've ever seen him play. He's Kevin Walsh. <laughs> Spitfire. Like he's been nowhere. But he played the game of his life. The crowd, the crowd got them up with two goals in the second half. The crowd was like, I've been to that ground. I'm not sure if you guys have been to a final there or watched the game live. Have you been up the stadium? No, no, not for, not for footy, for cricket. You've never seen anything like it. It is unbelievable. And if there were fifty nine and a half thousand people wearing purple there, let me tell you, it would have been worth two goals in the second half. It would have been unbelievable. So, you know what? I agree with you, Lovey. In some ways, it was a it was a nothing game for probably two and a half three quarters. What I what I learned from it again, and what it re- reiterated me about Fremantle is that if if Fremantle can go to to the MCG this week in front of ninety two and a half thousand raving lunatics who need <laughs> dental plans, Disclaimer. very quickly, and get the job done, well, mate, it'll be the biggest win of that club's history. How do they beat them? How do they beat them? I reckon they've got to beat them. They're, they're, they're midfield inside. I mean, Collingwood are not a great clearance team, so they're not going to get a lot oh. of first looks oh. around the contest. So their connection forward from their centre bounce work, I mean, Sarong and, and, and Brayshaw and these guys are off the charts at the moment. They're going fantastically well. So if they can connect, if Tabiner comes in, I'm not sure if he's fit. He played in the, in the waffle on the weekend, but if Tabiner comes in and more goes to him, and that frees up lob, they can stretch them with their tools if it's a dry day, and it looks like it might be in the weekend. They can really stretch Collingwood's lack of height in their back half. And how now is not the player he was. 
Um, but they've got so, a yeah, yeah. I think that that's their best chance defensively. I still see that they've got holes there, but and, and I agree with you, Cuz. Hey, mate, unbelievable tonight on the what is it the seventh of uh, of uh, September? We're agreeing in the way that. Um, fundamentally, they've got no pressure on them. They come here no. not expecting to do anything other than throw the kitchen sink at Collingwood. And all the pressure now is on the Pies, who have been unbelievable. But could they go bang, bang, the Pies? I smell an upset in this game. There you go. Yeah, I, I, I think this is the one. This is this is, <laughs> this is the one I think could be that everyone goes, oh, yeah, shit, Fio actually aren't that bad. That's the one I think. Yeah. And I'm not just saying that because you said H. I think, and we all know where we all sit in our love and respect for Collingwood. Yeah. <laughs> but I think this is the one where it's a lay-down Mazaire. It sounds, now I might get the year wrong and the actual time of, it's like that, remember when Freo went and played Geelong at Geelong? I can't remember what year it was. I don't think it was a final, but there were no chance and they beat them at Geelong. It yep. may have been, I'm not sure. But they had, yeah. I think they had to win it to make the finals. And I think Port Allen did it to Geelong once as well. You, you just never know. Yeah. No, I think that'll be interesting. The, no the concern for the Dockers is, and I know they're not sure of his contract, but a couple of stars for Collingwood on the weekend just showed why they're stars. Like, Degoe was amazing. With, with his impact, yep. and I, I know what a star Brayshaw has been and Sarong and those guys, but Degoe's looking like he wants to blow the bejeez out of a game again. So that's the someone like him, who have they got to put to go to him? That's the th- little things like that I think is going to yep. be a concern in the for JL on the coaching box. Yep. Well, I think they'll back their system in. I don't think that they've showed this year that they've played anyone in run with roles, Freo. I think they're trying to teach their their group how to play a certain way. And I think they're going to back Darcy in the ruck against Cameron, who's just a plotter, and back their mids and and really try and stretch Collingwood forward of the ball with their ability to be able to mark it. And if they don't mark it and the ball hits the ground a lot, then, then they might struggle. But I've just got this feeling that they're, they're actually up for it. I really believe that they can pinch this game. So, who... I don't need to tag anyone at Collingwood because Collingwood are, are like a lesser version of Sydney in that yeah. they, don't have a, they don't have any superstars. They're just a fairly even sort of team. So, they, don't, they, yeah. won't, they won't need to tag anyone, right? Um, the big thing for Freo, some games have really struggled to kick a score this year, right? And yep. they're trying to work out, do I go two talls, four smalls, three talls, yep. three smalls? If Tabernard comes in, the key thing for them and what their forward six have to do all night is isolate themselves away from each other. Because Collingwood's back six, Collingwood's back six are just really, really good. Yeah, they group not, not just getting the rebound or the intercept mark, it's actually the um, the way they then run the ball out. And if they've got an extra small that can run it out over the top of a 303 and three, it's it's game over. It's game over first quarter. You're not going to get that score that you need, particularly on the MCG. So yep. if they're going to play three talls, cluck them and isolate yourselves as much as you can. Yeah. The Pies have proven, though, over the course of the year, even though they've been great, is that they do struggle against a smaller mobile forward line when the ball hits the ground. They are better... Those guys like Maynard, they play better on six five guys than what they do on five ten blokes. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? 
they are they are fearless in, in in aerial contest, but they have proven over the year that they can be scored against by smalls. So I think they will go with two tools. I don't mm. think they'll play Tabernay if they're going to play Lob. Um, and I reckon, yeah, I don't reckon it'll be a tough one because Tabernay only played a half. They only played him for a half in the waffle. He's been out for a while. It's a big game to come over and play at the MCG and expect that you're going to get Darcy Moore straight on him. Tabernay is not Dusty Martin. There you go. He's not Dusty Martin. He can just come and turn it on when he needs to. Yeah, no, pretty I'm sure he's no. well aware of that, Alan. <laughs> I think he might be well aware of that, but good observation on your part. All right. So let's let's move quickly to uh, how it's all panning out now. This is where we're at. A couple of sides eliminated, and we move through. Um, here we go with uh, our tips. We're going to just pull a couple of tips before we go. We've kind of largely uh, discussed what we our thoughts on each of these teams, but this is how they'll front up first, the first semi-final, uh, Friday night, 7.50 at the G. I don't know if there's a Cuz's favourite game, the AFLW first kickoff, or I think they should be playing the VFL, to be honest, <laughs> uh, first game before it. But uh, here we go with the Demons and the Lions. Cuz, give us, give us your win and the margin, mate. Who takes it? Do you want to apologise to all the female fans out there? Like, so now you become sexist as well. No, not at all. I think uh, our girls personally did a great job um, fronting up against uh, the Swans in the game before. I just think it was a stupid time to put them on at 5-10 or whatever and try and telecast it as a lead-in. And um, I don't know what they Hey, so can we change Cuz's name from incorrectly quoted to woke, please? Thanks. <laughs> oh, this time again, put it yeah, up. A little spiteful towards the end. Uh, as as always. I, I can make a comment that we're on the be the bigger person, as my mother always said. Hello, Lorraine, passionate demon fan, who you all you are. You know. are the bigger person, absolutely, Glenn. Move on and give us your margin, Cuz. Uh, Melbourne by 24. Yep. Do you want the second game as well? No. All right. Okay. Uh, H, give uh, us your tip on the first one, mate. Couldn't be more certain that Melbourne will win by plus 35. Righto. That's a good sign. I'm, I'm, I'm liking the support here, boys. Lovey. If you, if you tag Lockie Neal, you win by 60 points. If you don't tag him, you win by six points. <laughs> so I have no doubt. No doubt we're going to clamp. We're going to clamp and we're going to clamp. Can hard. you just I put it a tear, but I don't think they've got that parameter. It's yeah, 1 to 39, 6 to 6. I think, I think we're right. It must be with kids. And we'll see from there. So I think uh, <laughs> anything could happen. Anything could happen. But I, I think uh, cool. Demons, Demons by 10 goals for sure. Um, very confident. I think it I think it starts close uh, and the Demons open them up a bit from there. So let's see. Uh, it'll be a good challenge first week. Second this, week is better, this is better than mixed multi on the front bar. Lovey's gone for six points if they don't tag Lockie. Have I got that right? If they do tag him, 60. Beautiful. Nice. I like it. Cars, cars, cars. Righto. Pies. Saturday. Finally, Saturday night time instead of that stupid 4.30. What a crazy time that was. Um, righto, cars. We'll yeah. go with you again. Oh, look, I made the statement. Let's go with it. Fremantle by 10 points. Lovey. 
No, I just could, I can only say half my face, mate. That was all. Um, oh, we can say it all, mate. We'll go full screen. Collingwood. Collingwood. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Yeah, that one too. Uh, Collingwood by 37. Okay, so we have a little bit of confidence on the pies from you, mate. Um, Sadly. H- Sadly, Collingwood by 37. I think I think Fremantle by 14. Oh, yeah, I think. Oh, it's it's a challenge coming over, no doubt, and that I think that brings them back a little bit to the pack. But I reckon they win by four goals, so that gets them over by twenty four or so. And just I think that I always said the Pies had one more in them, and I think that was their one more. So, um, but you never know. They're playing inspired footy, and we all know what that can be. The question is, have they got two more in them or three more in them? I don't know. Um, so I think. Uh, they're done. Frio gets them. Um, Cars has clocked off. Um, no, I'm trying to do my classic, but Alan spoke too long and got abusive towards me, so that's all. Right. Well, that's how we're going to wrap up the show. We're going to do two things. Oh, there you go. Lovey, I'm not sure if you've got a losers it tonight, but... No, I'm, saving it. I'm saving it for the 1983 podcast because there's something about 1983... Well, I really will need to get my chair, get off my chair. So okay, well we'll do that. Okay, so come up quickly, as because I do owe the podcast a classic. I didn't do one last week. Ill prepared. Yeah. So we're going so with one. Going to do tonight. One. One. I'm giving one now. Yeah. One classic. One. You've struggled. So what I was going to do because yeah. in light so of what Melbourne did on the weekend, you got one fucking mate. job. How about this? Just let me finish. Like the '89 Grand Final. Like a dim sim Cousins Classics It's what the crowd come to see Cousins Classics <laughs> What do you think, Just got my snow gear ready We've gone full budget, mate How's the tunes I park here he's got on? Just got the snow gear ready And my parka and my glass of wine Because This could go anywhere As much as I've tipped you to win Got my cheese and bickies as well if you can see that, just there, cheese and bickies, glass of wine, because it might be snow season. Not sure. It? Not sure. Well, Glenn, the snow's pretty much melted by now already, so I don't know what's going on there. I didn't say where in the world, lovey. Melbourne have got plenty of money, the MCC people. They can go overseas. Don't assume Melbourne, what makes an ass. Out of you and Fair me. Enough. Fair I enough. think there'll be a spike in Range Rovers in a couple of weeks. There'll be a spike in sales. Well, it might not be a couple of weeks. H, be careful. They like Volvo's to go to Beaky. It's a bit cold down at Beaky. <laughs> and the quick classic, that was 10 years ago that Joe Watson signed his 100-game jumper for me. And unfortunately, it was also that same year that He lost his Brownlow medal. That was the year he eventually initially so that, won it and lost it. So that jump was worth two grand. It's now worth two dollars fifty. Yeah. Oh, I, I'm a big fan of the way he's conducted himself as an individual. That still makes it only two dollars fifty on the market. It's still only worth two seventy five. I'll give you twenty five cents. <laughs> I'm not selling it. Pretty sure. Cause I'll give me a bit of I'll give you a bit of homework. I need to see that jumper on a decent hanger. Mate, that would be the wiriest hanger. Yes. 
Come on, mate. The Bombers, the Hangar. Get, get excited, mate. Put it on something yeah. decent and hang it on that blank wall behind you for next week's show. Well, who is that? Love, mate. Can we talk just quickly? Can we the talk about the sheet? Because Lovey wanted an episode dedicated to the sheet, but no one jumped on board. I have left the sheet there for that reason. Because yeah, everyone's still shit frightened of what's behind it. Yeah, this is Jack's, no. my eldest son's former bedroom. It is now Jody's office space. If you can see on the wall up there. Um, are you there? Photos. Where are you? No photos of cuz. Where are you? Mate, I'm lucky to be here. You all know that. <laughs> you go. So do you leave after you? Okay. After the podcast, Glenn, <laughs> after the podcast, you then go back outside to the house where the dog is. Now, we can't talk about our dog, Alan, because you and I both know <laughs> that my dog and you have had a couple of moments. Is yeah, now the time to talk about it or not? So you're telling oh. me there's a chance. Yeah! Rolling them all tonight. Can you, Alan, please explain to Hayden, as and the viewing public, what happened the first time you met my dog? Yeah, well, that's, that's fine, mate. I mean, the fact that you can't control your dog is one thing. No, no, no. Second of all, tell what happened the, fact I have some, the fact I've got animal attraction is not my fault. The thirdly, your dog clearly, did you did you think you had the thing spayed? Clearly not the case. It's um, well, very, Jody asked if you'd been spayed. It's a very randy dog. Yes, I have been actually. <laughs> it was my, my Jack and Lucas <laughs> when they left. Jack said, "Pardon the French." Fuck the dog, love, lovey. <laughs> yeah, it was gold. I could have scripted it better. Bring it. This is going downhill, Aaron. Get control quickly. Take control, mate. Get Hayden back on. So speaking of control, um, firstly, I'd like to thank H for jumping on, mate, a last-minute kind of uh, request, and just as his camera spins, <laughs> hopefully we've got him. Has he jumped off now? Away. He'll be back. <laughs> this is working Fuck beautiful. We're going to treat. <laughs> All right, anyway, let's let's thank H for his time, and it's been great to have him on. Lovey um, and Cuz. Uh, especially cuz thanks for hooking up H again. Uh, hopefully we get H on a little bit more because his football knowledge and insight um, is is great for our show and love it. Gives us someone credible that we can talk footy with um, and we can just rely on cuz for a little bit of inherent banter um, as we do. So cuz you've been brilliant. You classic. Well, a little bit, but I thought yeah, I brought a bit great. to the table tonight. Yeah, I tried to. Your classic was a touch under par. I was given the fact that we'd waited a couple of weeks to build it up, and that was all you come up with. It's not. Um, that's not the classic I wanted to do tonight. But you said I can only do one. So, well, you probably okay. picked a good one. You probably should pick the good one then. That's all. But anyway, we'll, we'll talk about that off off air, mate. Um, here's what I want to finish on, guys. I know we're big. Uh, we're big, Food Fighters fans. Um, oh, amazing. If you get a chance, make sure you check out the tribute concert to Taylor Hawkins that was on on the weekend. It's on Paramount Plus, so you get a free sign-up for seven days or something and watch it. Um, it's 
an unbelievable concert with an unbelievable lineup and a massive, great tribute. But I'm going to finish this little show with uh, a little clip from with Taylor Hawkins' son, Shane Hawkins. Um, oh, this was unbelievable. 16-year-old yep. young man coming on, stepping in unbelievably uh, for his dad and literally should be part of the band from as of now. So here we go. We're going to play this. goes for a minute or so and then we'll sign off for tonight. So, boys, thanks for everything. Been a great chat. Typical half-an-hour show, an hour and a half, beautifully done. Um, we'll turn into next week. Go, Dees. Good luck. See you soon.